Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Four people, all right. I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, it is an honor, and Jesus is going to do awesome things because that's just what he does. We're going to have fun. How many of you have been coming on uh, Wednesday nights or have been or have been a couple of times? It's been a lot of fun. We've been seeing God do a lot of really awesome stuff. And um, we're going to get into some more of that today. I want to start right here with something real quick. Um, this is my beautiful wife, Mayana. We didn't plan to both wear white, but worked out that way. I used to... <laughs> I used to just get dressed, and my wife would be like, really? That's what you're going to wear? So now I just say, babe, what, what do you want me to wear? <laughs> we'll just skip that whole thing. But this kind of just worked out. We just wore white, so whatever. Um, but my wife is from Brazil. Uh, she moved here, I think, I think you've been here seven years now in America, eight years, seven, almost eight years. Um, and... Her sister right now is going through some really, really hard health stuff. She has been back in the hospital, gosh, I don't even know, six different surgeries and in and out of the hospital for two or three months now, right? Is that about right? Um, and she's back in there right now. So let's just pray and tell these health problems she's experiencing to go back to hell where they belong. So if you guys just want to join, that would be awesome. Her sister's name is Larissa. Did I say that right? I just say Lolly. <laughs> but it's Larissa. Lolly. <laughs> Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you that you uh, paid the price for all sin and all sickness on the cross. And even in your word, you sent the word. You sent the word. And the boy was healed. So, Father, we just release your healing grace over Larissa right now. We just rebuke the enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus, and we speak your finished work of the cross to be made fully manifest in her reality. Mind, body, and in her soul, Father. So we just thank you right now for complete healing, complete wholeness, and that this would be a moment that she can remember when everything changed. Thank you for grace invading her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. We're going to have fun. And I want to get into, um, if, you, if you have been in the class, this might be, well, not might, it's going to be some repeat revised, but um, a couple of different messages sort of combined into one. 
But I want to I wanna just, I, the, the, I titled the message, The Death of Death. I just think it's such a cool thought that Jesus is, he's cool enough that he's the only person that could kill death. That's such a cool thought to me. I've thought about it for years. He killed death. He brought the death of death. I want to get into that today, and we're going to get into some ministry, obviously, at the end as well. But, um, you know, I've been doing uh, ministry for a little bit now. I've been walking with Jesus free from drugs and alcohol for over 10 years now. And I... I just have a real honor and respect for people that have been, it's like he's worshiping Jesus there on the front row. He's just sitting there like that. <laughs> for <laughs> when, when I see an older generation that's faithfully been walking with God for a long time, it's amazing. And there's a lot of that in this house. So thank you guys. It has laid a very firm foundation. Larry and Ruthie, uh, it's very obvious. Uh, my wife and I, the first time we came here was September of last year, so we have not been here that long. But it's really, really obvious that there's a lot of very faithful people here and have been for years. And Larry and Ruthie have laid an amazing foundation. I mean, I remember telling my wife when we were, we were here on the, the Sunday when we celebrated Larry and Ruthie of 34 years, is that right? 34 years of ministry here? And I was... You just don't hear that anymore. You don't hear a pastor staying at the same church for 34 years. It just doesn't happen, both of them. And not only did they do it, they did an amazing job. I'm very grateful for them and obviously uh, Travis and Leslie, who we've been able to spend a lot of time with and participate in some of the things going on here. I want to I start because we want to we build some faith because, you know, it's it's not... I think sometimes we just think it's it's hard for God to heal. We have to do this. We got to do that. We got to finagle and finesse our way into. Yeah, there's there, faith. Obviously, is a key component. It helps to believe, <laughs> but the the he already defeated the enemy. He already defeated him, and so I wanted to start by just. If, if you're in this room right now and you, in the last couple, two, three months, whatever, have experienced a very real miracle in your life, healing, God just breaking through with finances in that moment that you need, something where it's like only God could have done that, a, a, a very real needed miracle. If that has happened to you in the last couple of months, will you raise your hand? Raise your hand up real high. There's other people that are in the class that I know got healed in the last couple of months. They're not raising their hand, but that's okay. Raise your hand up real high if God has done a miracle for you in recent months. Look around the room. There's at least there's four people raising their hands right here. Well, that's going to change today. That's going to change today. Because he's got a lot of different names for a reason. Do you ever think about that? I mean, you can just call me Eric. I don't need anything else. He gave himself, like, a long list of names, though. Why? Why is that? Why do you think? Because he can be so many different things for us in so many different situations. Not only can he, he wants to be. 
He wants to be that answer that we need in that situation. He's the healer. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the savior. He's the Lord. He's the Lord of Lord. He's the king of kings. I, I could go on. He's the good shepherd. I could go on and on and on. He wants to be so many different things for us. No matter what's your situation that arises, he wants to be the answer. And he wants to be the one that brings it. You know, Holy Spirit told me something funny a while back. He said, you know, Eric, it, it's okay to ask for help from somebody who named themselves the helper. <laughs> I kind of think he likes it. We just spent uh, 10 days in Utah with my family. It was one of those vacations where you need a vacation when you're done. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share one testimony why it was something that happened while we were there. We were at the pool one day. Um, for those of you who, so, so most people in Utah are Mormons. It's not stereotyping. <laughs> it's actually true, <laughs> especially in the county where my parents are from, and my family is all Mormon, um, especially the uh, county my parents live in, it's Utah County. It's like... I think last time I read a few years ago, it was like 88% Mormon. So it's like the whole, it, everybody's Mormon. So we're there, we're there at the pool, we're having fun. My sons have just no regard for their safety, and they just like run headfirst into the water. We got to chase them so they don't bury themselves in it. <laughs> and we had fun, it was hot, and my family was there and everything. We were there for a couple hours, and we're getting ready to leave. I had prayed for one gentleman, um, and we're getting ready to leave, and my... Most of my family left, and it was my wife and I and our two sons and my sister. And we're leaving. We're packing up. We're getting everything. And this lady with, like, two or three of her kids, I think, is over here on the grass. And we had a bunch of chairs. And I was like, hey, we're leaving. You can have our, you know, little pavilion chairs that we have because we got there early. And she's like, oh, okay. So she's coming over, sort of putting her stuff on the chairs as we're picking it up. And my wife's like, okay, let's go. And I was like, just hey, hang on one second. I got I to do, hang on one second. I got to do something. So I just, I said to the lady, I said, look, this might, this might sound strange, okay, but um, I felt like I was supposed to ask you a question. She's like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I said, do you, do you happen to get headaches and have trouble sleeping? And she's like, I, I, yeah, oh, yeah, I do. She said, I've had three brain surgeries. And I was like, well, isn't that interesting? I said, because I just, I felt like God was telling me that because he really wants to do something about it in your life. And instantly, the situation got really awkward. Not on my end. Power forces a decision. When the power of God shows up, it's real hard to stand on the fence. You believe or you don't. I mean, how, how do you... And, it's, I, I, and I sort of emphasized that to her. I said... I said, look, there's, I, I said, can I pray for you? And she's like, oh, okay. I said, look, there's no way I could have known that. There's no possible way I could have just, of all the random things I could have said to you right now in this situation, there's no way I could have just known that. She's like, well, I have had three brain surgeries. And I said, well, I don't know you. <laughs> she's like, oh, Okay. I said, is it okay if I just pray for you? My wife's laughing because she's seen these situations. <clears throat> I said, is it okay if I just pray for you? And she's like, 
okay, sure. And then her daughter came over to put uh, sunblock on. And, and she just looks away and, <laughs> and thinks I'm going to leave. And she just stands there putting sunblock on her daughter. And I was like, yeah, because, and I just started telling her about Jesus. And she's just like, okay, okay, putting, you know, oiling up her daughter with sunblock. And so finally, I, her, her daughter left, and I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I said, you don't have to do anything, okay? I'm just going to stand here. I'm going to pray for you. She said, okay, with that voice, too. It just was really, it wasn't awkward for me, like I said. It was awkward for her. When you, you know, God has called us to live a life that's uncomfortable. That's why he gave us a comforter. And when he shows up and people don't have the comforter, they get uncomfortable. So I prayed for her. There was no flash, bang, pow, you know, clouds didn't part, boom. There was nothing. Faith. And obviously, you know, I wouldn't have been able to know if she got healed on the spot anyways. So I don't know if she did. But I have a hard time believing that God was going to bring something up and not do something about it. So... She then said, which is a very common question that I've had many, many times in public. She said, so what religion are you? Because you remember this county here. You just have to experience it for yourself. But it's 88%. Yeah, maybe don't. But you, but you would have to just experience it for yourself. It's literally everybody is full devout Mormon. So she said, well, what religion are you? I said, I just follow Jesus. And that's what I get. That's the answer I give to everybody. Because what they want is they want to put you in a box. Well, what religion are you? What denomination are you? I need a box to fit you in. Guess what? Jesus doesn't fit in your box. <laughs> so, what, so what religion? I said, I just follow Jesus. Just, you, you can just say Christian. I just follow Jesus. Yeah, but what, what denomination, though? I said, you know, it's interesting. I don't, I don't bother myself with thinking about any of that because Jesus didn't. I'm not against denominations. I'm not against, I'm, I'm not against any of it. I just think that when people want to emphasize that point and pull it out of you, they're trying to put you in a box that Jesus doesn't fit in. And so when I leave it, when I leave that question open-ended and unanswered, it gives them space to go home, and then the Holy Spirit starts yakking in their ear. They start thinking, well, that was different. Well, that was, and all of a sudden, they're at home having a conversation with God, and they don't even realize they're having the conversation with God. It's just my job to drop off the message and then let him bring the harvest into it. So I just said, bless you, you know. Planted a seed, and the Holy Spirit will bring the increase. Saw another lady get so frazzled that um, I love telling testimonies. I don't ever get sick of it. We really should. I'm going to tell one more quickly. We were at um, Chick-fil-A. And God, uh, I, I gave a word to the, the cashier, the girl, and it, w it, it just, it freaked her out so much she forgot how to do her job. All of a sudden, she forgot to give me my money back, and she's like, okay, what, how, how, what, what do you mean God told you? What are you talking about? Okay, she like, couldn't look at me, and it, she, just, she just was kind of going like this. Okay. And I went back up, and she totally forgot. To, she, she gave me my food and walked off. And I just stood there, and she came back up. I was like, I need my change. 
Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hey, manager, can you come open the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jesus changes people's realities. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get um, breeze through some, some scripture here. I'm going to read um, quite a bit. We'll see how much I get into here. But um, we want to leave a good amount of time for ministry at the end because... I heard um, a, a pastor I really like listening to who Travis and Leslie gave a message recently. Um, he's referred to more than once in this house, uh, Bill Johnson. And he said, he said, people come up to me and they say, Bill, the gospel is not all about healing and miracles. And he said, yeah, you're right, but it's also incomplete without it. And I believe that. Everywhere Jesus went, he preached the word and power. Or it was power, and then he preached the word. Show and tell, or tell and show. I'm going to start here. Um, I didn't... I think it's awesome, because hearing and seeing helps people learn better. But I apparently there's a PowerPoint for my message. I, I don't know how to do PowerPoint. <laughs> Not make it. I don't know how to do that either. I don't know how to follow it. So I'm going to try, okay? But this verse isn't in the PowerPoint, but let me read it to you, okay? This is Colossians 2, 13 through 15 through the Message Bible. Now, I know the Message Bible is not a literal translation. It is a paraphrase, but I love it. it I don't think I could ever make it the main Bible I read from all the time, but I, but I love it. <clears throat> it's Colossians 2, uh, 13 through 15. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all of the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and then marched them naked through the streets. I was expecting someone to like that. Listen, <laughs> He didn't just defeat the enemy on the cross. He did do that entirely. It's a done deal. You hear, sometimes I hear this perspective about in the end days, there's like, there's going to be this epic battle between God and the devil, and God's going to squeak it out. No. That is completely incorrect. He already completely 100% defeated him. 100%. He didn't just defeat him. He did do that. But then... He made a public spectacle, which it says in most translations, a public spectacle of him, embarrassing him on the cross. I didn't just defeat you. I embarrassed you. It's like Mike Tyson fighting a toddler in the ring. It's not a competition. It's a done deal already. Done deal. I want to get into this quickly, but I want to lay a little bit of groundwork for getting to something else. And a lot of this is going to be repeat for some of you guys, okay? But the Bible refers to death often. Um, I'm going to read just one verse, okay? But how many, how many of you realize when it's referring to death most of the time, it's not talking about you physically, your heart stopping, you're in the grave? Obviously, there are situations in the Bible where that is what it's talking about in context. But most of the time, that's not what it's talking about. That's not what it's talking about. So, for instance, this is uh, 
Romans 6, 23, from the Passion Translation. For sin's meager wages is death, but God's lavish gift is life eternal, found in your union with our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Okay, now how many, in, in, how many of us in here have sinned before? If you're not raising your hand, I'm just going to pretend that you just believe. <laughs> okay, but how many of you are still alive? Okay, so clearly it's not talking about you're dead. Clearly, right? So what is it talking about? This part is in the PowerPoint. I did good with this part right here. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. I'll give Troy one second to pull that up. This again is from the Passion Translation here. Um, and his fullness fills you. Even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. That was, that was me to a definition. It's like, it's like being a walking zombie. I was just, for 13 years, there was nothing in my life but drugs, alcohol, addiction, everything you could imagine. That was all it was every day, all day, and it progressively got worse the entire time. Even though I was once dead in my sins and offenses, and it wasn't that long ago that you lived this, verse 2, and it wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Verse 3, the corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everybody else but God. Grace. You know, isn't, isn't it amazing... Uh, Grace is a beautiful topic. You know, as if Jesus needed to, God, you know, the Father, the Trinity, needed to make any more of an emphatic statement as to what he can do. Is there any statement bigger than Saul to Paul? Saul, who is literally the equivalent of modern-day ISIS, torturing, murdering, hunting down Christians, thinking he's doing it in the name of God, sanctioned by the Sanhedrin to do so. And God says, yeah, so that's not going to work. But I love the passion. I love the drive, the enthusiasm. Let's just put the right spirit in you. And then he uses the one that was trying to murder God, Good luck with that. To write the majority of the New Testament. That's offensive to people who still have a mindset that is rooted in human effort. When my mindset is rooted in I'm earning salvation, I'm earning God's love, I'm earning grace. When I see people whose life was a complete mess and God is blessing them and breathing on their life, it's offensive. Look how hard I've been working, though. I've been going to church my whole life. I haven't done what they did. 
Who do they think they are? What is that all about? Yeah, but the cross doesn't keep, love doesn't keep an account of wrongs. God comes and wipes the slate clean. Like it said in Colossians 2, wipes the slate clean. And it's as if true confession, true repentance, it's as if you never did it. That's really offensive to people whose mindset is all rooted in works. You guys good? <laughs> I, can, I can feel myself being too serious sometimes. I'm like, what's oh, a joke? I need to think of a joke to tell right now. But I don't know any good ones. <clears throat> Verse 4, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even, verse 5, but even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. This is Colossians 1.13. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, out of the darkness and into the light. You know, I, I, I see, uh, I'm figuring out which direction to go with this. Give me a second. <laughs> I spend time around a lot of people that don't know God. I don't ever just want to be around people that, I, I don't want to hide from the world. Because the Bible tells us very directly not to. The reason that neighborhoods communities, counties, states, countries. This is the reason they're dark. As we already discussed, it's not because the devil is more powerful than God. The reason that there's darkness is because those filled with the light are not going into it. That is the only reason. The devil is not bigger than God. It feels stupid just to even make the point. It's not a competition either. And I, it, it really sometimes aggravates me, but when I get over myself, it begins to really break my heart when I see people that say they know him and are still living like the walking dead. There's so much grace available for complete transformation in our lives. Does that mean it's a magic trick? Voila, you're perfect overnight. Well, he can come and bring deliverance like that, but there's still a discipling and a renewing of the mind, learning how to walk in the family of God, family, right? Yes, there is a matter of us positioning ourselves and learning how to live in a completely different culture, in a completely different reality and kingdom. These things are all real, okay? But the fact still remains that Jesus killed death. He killed it. 
it's dead. And I'm not going to use the resurrection power. He's putting me to resurrect the man in me that he killed. That old sin-riddled life that I lived for so long that had complete 100% control over me, it's dead. I didn't become God's project. Aren't we glad about that? I'm not God's project. I'm not his eternal project. Okay, well, we'll work on the, okay, I, you know, he's messing up again. Let's, you know, try and fix you this. And let's, I understand it can feel like that sometimes because there's a process to stepping into our true identity. But I'm not his project. He killed me. He killed me. And I came up out of the water brand new. And I'm learning how to live in my new identity. Make sense? How many of you have, have heard the word sozo before? Or are familiar a little bit with that word sozo? A few people? So, how many of you heard the word salvation before? Those that are sleeping, I, I believe you have. So, sozo is that word. When you read in the Bible, and you read the word salvation, the Greek word for that is sozo, or I think you pronounce it soteria. It's the same derivative, same thing, okay? Now, it's, it's unfortunate, um, but the fact still remains that this is unfortunately a prevalent mindset with some Christians in America, and outside of America, of course, but predominantly here. That there's, there's this understanding and belief still that salvation is you just you prayed the sinner's prayer you're good you're getting into heaven now we know that's not the case right because I've, I've i've had the privilege to to lead some people to the lord on the streets and i've also talked to some people on the streets and um they're just annoyed you know what I mean? Not really angry or being combative. They're just like, I've, yeah, okay. I've, you know, homeless people that everybody goes up to wanting to get them to come to church or whatever. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think we should be doing that. But I've had people also tell me, can I just pray your guys a stupid prayer so you leave me alone? Not just one time either. I've had more than one person tell me that. Because there's still a mindset that we just say, well, I just need to get you to pray that if I can just get them to pray the prayer. I've, I've led people in that prayer, and it was genuine and real. But Romans says it's a believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right? So it's possible to pray the prayer and nothing happened at all because they don't believe at all. They're just praying a prayer, right? But salvation, the moment of salvation is the wedding celebration, we know that heaven celebrates every time someone gives their life to Jesus. The Bible tells us that, right? But it's not just a wedding celebration. You just got married, too. Now you're learning how to walk with Jesus. I'm learning. I, I, I had to relearn everything. I had to learn how to live life all over again. What I was doing wasn't working. I was the walking dead. And the moment when I gave my life to him was the wedding celebration. And now walking with him is me in relationship with him on a daily basis, learning who I am in him on a daily basis. And that word sozo, if you look at the definition of it, it, it means 
complete wholeness in your, in your life. It means healed, saved, delivered, rescued from danger, set free. It means, does that mean that no more problems will exist ever in your life, ever again? We all know that's not true because the Bible actually promises it. You're going to face trials, okay? But this much we know. It means you have now left the kingdom of darkness. He has brought you into the kingdom of his glorious and beloved son. And his promises in reality is now the reality that I'm walking in. And I'm learning my new identity. And I'm learning who I am in him and how to walk with him on a daily basis. And all provision has been made for me to do so. I was addicted to pornography. I say every drug, but now there's like 50 new ones. But I haven't done drugs in over 10 years. So the drugs that were still around when I was doing them, okay? Alcohol. Cigarettes, depression, all of that. I was completely addicted to it. It's 100% gone from my life for a long time. That's grace. Is there a matter of us positioning ourselves to receive it? Yeah, I, I get that. We don't just say, okay, I prayed, you know, I'm just going to sit on my couch. Jesus, come magically do everything. I'm not going to participate. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We're learning how to live and walk this, this life with him. But it's all grace. It's all grace. He came and set me free from everything. He set me free from myself. This is John 10.10 10 from the New American Standard here. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The giver of life. I was hesitant to even bring this verse up in here because this verse in and of itself needs an entire message. Um, because I've, I myself have had to learn and dig into the word and see, you know, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. It says that in Hebrews 1.3. If he's the exact representation of who the Father is, I think it would be safe to say that if there's an image in my mind of who the Father is that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus, I have reason to question it. He came, he's the visible image of the invisible God. He came and... He only did what he saw the Father doing and said what he heard the Father saying. And he came as the exact representation of who the Father is. And if that's true, and I believe it is, then death, loss, and destruction is not from God. And I've seen so many people, I, I, I've had to break free from some of these mindsets myself over the years, and I've seen so many people who contend for a promise in the word. They see this is available in the word. There's healing, there's freedom, there's deliverance. There, these things are available, along with trials and tribulations and persecution, if you're really walking with him. Persecution in America, the equivalent is probably like somebody comments on your Facebook post and doesn't like it. <laughs> That's our persecution. Somebody laughing at you. There's people getting their heads chopped off right now in the Middle East. That's a fact. I heard a testimony recently. I read a thing. A Christian, ISIS tried to boil him alive three times, and it didn't touch him. And he's free now. 
How cool is that? How much fun would it be to laugh at your persecutors who are trying to boil you alive and preach to them about Jesus? And then they try it two more times and it doesn't work. I'm not saying I want to do it. <laughs> I'm just saying I think it would be cool. In America, I mean, how much real persecution are we? Are they, did, they, did they kick God out of the schools? Now look what's happening. And I'm like, is there an attack on Christianity? I would say there is. There always is. Wherever Jesus is, the enemy is going to try and stop. But how much persecution are we really facing in America? We should be... I won't go down that rabbit trail. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So we know that Sozo is healed, saved, delivered, set free, rescued from danger, set free from darkness. That is, that's salvation right there. That's what salvation is, okay? And the enemy comes only, only. This is the only reason he comes. Kill, steal, destroy. It's his only agenda. To destroy. Now... Early on for me, it, it took me a little bit of time to realize and listening to good teaching and reading and diving into the word that the, the battle, the battle is in, it's in the mind. The Bible talks about it, talks about renewing our mind. You know, we talked about it here in um, Colossians chapter two here. And this is the enemy's favorite thing to do. Well, kill, still destroy. Okay. But one of the things he loves to do in the midst of that, he likes to slide in. He likes to cheap shot you right in the chin, and then he slides out, and then he just barks in your ear and makes you think God the one that did it. And all of a sudden, you're thinking these thoughts like, God, where were you? Why did you do that to me? Why did you let that happen to me, God? God, if, if, if you love me so much, why didn't you stop? The, clearly, you let this happen, God. Why didn't, you, why didn't you do anything about it? Anybody ever battled those thoughts in their mind? It's because it's the same tactics with everybody. That's the voice of the enemy. He wants to come in. He wants to do his work. And he wants to slide out and get you to think it's the father that did it. So he disconnects you from the source of life like he's been disconnected this entire time. And now all of a sudden, we have believed ourselves out of complete union with the father. Which the Bible clearly says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not even the lies of the enemy. I was probably two, three years into this walk with Jesus, and um, the drugs and alcohol went, like, pretty much immediately, but there was other addictions that stuck around because I needed a renewing of the mind, and I remember two, three years, and it, it was about a year and a half after the other ones left that the rest of them all left, and they've been gone ever since. That's just Jesus, and I remember I was, I, I would, I, and we still do, and we have time. We're not chasing our, our son, who is three today. Lucas's birthday. Do not sing him happy birthday. I don't know why, but he doesn't like it. <laughs> don't ask me why. I, he doesn't speak complete full sentences all the time yet. He communicates rather well, but I, I don't know why he, just, he hates it. <laughs> he likes his cake, but I, I don't know why. He doesn't like it, though. Completely lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So 
we're not chasing our kids around. We, we still spend a lot of time worshiping. We have worship music on. We just walk around the house reading the Bible. We'll, we'll stay up to spend time with God. Oftentimes we fall asleep, but whatever. I, I, I think he likes it. I know he does. But early on, I used to just worship and worship. I, I would spend hours worshiping, and, and I still try to when I have the time for it. I just, just spend time with God every single day. And I would spend time in my room just alone and in gatherings, and we would worship for like six straight hours sometimes. In San Diego, they still do it sometimes, but they went through the season where they had like 24-hour worship sets. I don't know what they call them. Um, every two hours, a different worship team would come up. And they would pick a church and 24 straight hours of worship nonstop. You just sit and sleep in the room and hang out in there and do anything you want. Um, and I was in the midst of worshiping one time, and I had this, had this encounter with God, and I had this vision. And in this, in this vision, um, Jesus, Jesus is at the, the desk of a hotel, okay? And a guy comes in. And if I remember correctly, he had like his family with him or it was just, it just came back to my mind right now. I feel like God wants me to share it. But the guy comes in, I believe in the vision, his family was with him. And he says, you know, we need a, it's late at night. And he says, we need a room for the night. And Jesus is like, there's no vacancy. And the guy says, what, what, what are you talking about? I got my family with me. It's the middle of the night. You can't kick me. I, there's nowhere else to go. I'm coming in. It's no vacancy. You're not coming in. And the guys just stood there accusing. Accus Who do you think you are? Why wouldn't you? Well, if you this, well, if you that, well, how come? Will you say you're this? Will you say you're that? You're going to let me in? You're going to let us sleep in the cold? Jesus just stands there. No vacancy. And then all of a sudden, it stops, and I see written across my head in blood, no vacancy. And I prayed into that. I prayed into that for a season, and I said, God, what, what's so defined, tell, what, what's, what's going on, you know? Obviously, there's, I get the general idea, but I want to, tell me exactly everything you're saying. And I went through this season of, the lies are always going to come. I would be doing you a great disservice if I said, and it's all good, one day you'll just get to this point where you're, everything's perfect. The lies, they just completely stop. Everything in your life is going to be glorious. And coming and living with Jesus is just this fairy tale magic. Every day is perfect all day, every day. That's the truth, just not here on earth. It's going to be like that on the other side. <laughs> but we have an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When truth has taken its rightful place in the rooms of my mind, when, not if, when, I don't have this perspective of like, oh my gosh, the enemy's going to come and get me, watch out, oh no, be careful, don't go over there, don't talk to those people, let's just hide from the world. I purposely and intentionally go into the world, it's what I do for a living, it's my business actually, and I do it, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, and that's where he goes, so that's where I go. But when truth has taken its rightful place up here, when the lie comes... I said, hey, wait a minute. I know my father. I know truth. That's not, that's not God. I'm not going to grab a hold of that thought. Because what happens as soon as we, what we agree with here, we give permission to play out through our words and actions. 
The agreements we make in our mind right here, the Bible talks about it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It talks about in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 2. Be renewed, right? The agreements we make up here, we grant that reality permission to play out through our words and actions. I have a recovery coaching business. The way I go over it with my clients is this. Your mind is like your spiritual stomach. What it is you chew on all day in there will be digested through your words and actions. When truth takes its rightful place, the lies still try and come. Just look at the life of Jesus. It was all day every day. They accused him all day every day of everything. His own disciples were like, hey, dude, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they probably didn't call him dude. <laughs> hey, Jesus, um, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it didn't affect truth in his mind. They were trying to kill him long before they succeeded. The lies, accusations, this, you're that, you're that. That's a whole series of messages just in and of that, of the encounters from the word where he was constantly being attacked, accused, ridiculed, mocked long before the cross, which we're going to watch a video here in a minute about, about the cross before we get into a little bit of ministry. It came at him all day long, but his mind was in the right place. He knew truth. He knew the Father. So when the lies came, sorry, dude, no vacancy. <laughs> yeah, but you this, but you that. Well, if you will, you call yourself a Christian and that, no vacancy. Sorry, rooms are taken. All of them, you're not allowed in. We're going to watch a video here in a second. I'm going to read a few more verses. Um, you guys tracking with me? I hope you're convicted. Conviction is a really good thing. Very good thing. Condemnation? No. If even hearing this message, you're feeling like, whoa, gosh, I don't do that. Who am I? Why? Oh, gosh, my life's a mess. I don't know, God. I'm... That's the voice of condemnation. That is not God. God doesn't accuse or condemn. God comes and says, hey, you want that reality that he's talking about? Because it's yours. Let's change the way we think and live into it. It's an invitation to live into the fullness in the, of our identity in Christ. How many of you would like to live into the, your fullest potential in Christ here on earth? Okay, so those with your hands raised, the people on you didn't raise their hands, go raise them for them. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to ask for the grace to do it. I'm going to get to know the king who can empower me to do it. And every single day I'm going to say, God, thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for setting me free. What are we doing today? How can the world around me, how can I get to know you better today? And how can the world around me get to know you better today through my life lived? We're familiar with this passage in Isaiah 53. How many of you are familiar with that passage there? This is the New American Standard. I'm going to read it. Um, and we're going to watch a video um, forewarning. It's, it's scenes from the Passion of the Christ. 
it is graphic, period. So if that, if that bothers you, um, I completely understand. And if you don't want to watch it or need to, um, if you want to, there's a worship song accompanied with it. So if you want to just close your eyes and connect with the Father, or if you'd like to, if you feel like you need to leave the room, I, I totally understand. I really do. But it's graphic. It is. Because what happened to him is graphic. It really, really is. This is Isaiah 53. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Okay, if you look those two words up there, okay, in verse 4, if, if you would like to do so and go home and look in the interlinear and look up the Hebrew, as we know, the Old Testament is Hebrew. New Testament was Greek. Um, but the Old Testament, if you would like to look that up, there's really easy apps online. But these two words here, okay? Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Those two words could literally be translated as pain and sickness. Physical. Pain and sickness. He paid for all sin and all sickness on the cross. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for... <clears throat> Jesus can make you want to laugh and cry at the same time. It's crazy how, you know, I read this and I remember, I, I read this and I remember not being able to get out of bed before noon without drugs and alcohol over a decade ago. And I read this and think about the life I live now. And I look at this. He's so good and so real. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Everybody with me. This will be fun. We're going to say those last three words. We are healed together, okay? We are healed. Sozo. Healed. Saved. Delivered. Rescued from danger. Set free. Out of darkness into light. We are sozo.